0: You need to give me another minute. It was so good last week, I decided to do it again. I realize that some of you, you're not forest dwellers watching that stream in the forest last week it just it wasn't your thing so I, I'm giving you this one for you beach bums just take a minute decompress clear your mind calm your soul We had a guest last week who filled out our guest survey and one of the questions asked, what did you enjoy the most? And they said, all of it was great, but I really needed the silence watching that stream in the forest. I said it resonated with them. Maybe this resonates with you. Did you know that studies show that the world is getting louder? And some scientists say that for those living in the inner city, that noise pollution will actually become a public health risk. That it will have negative effect on mental and emotional health. Maybe now more than ever we need to be intentional about carving out time for the spiritual discipline of silence. Jesus often used the phrase, let him who has ears, or whoever has ears, let them hear meaning it is possible to have ears but not listen. It is possible to have ears but not hear because of too many distractions, too many voices competing for our attention. So let's create some space this morning. space to clear our mind and to calm our soul. Now, Now stay in this moment but I want you to identify a circumstance today that is robbing you of your peace. I don't want you to become anxious. I don't want you to get jerked out of the moment. Don't let your thoughts drift away. But I I want you to identify that thing that is claiming your peace. And then I want you to invite Jesus into that circumstance. invite Jesus into that space, deliberately and intentionally, invite Jesus into that space this morning, and then listen to what he has to say in the next few moments. They say that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, with kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. Not wishing you to be of good cheer, telling you to be of good cheer. I don't care what your year was like, be of good cheer. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. But not too near. At least six-foot buffer will be needed. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men, holiday parties, decorating parties, family gatherings, the perfect gift wrapped in the perfect paper. It's all mm, so beautiful. I I think Christmas can maybe best be described as a 25-day makeover. When we step away from our problems and we step into this manufactured persona that's driven by the Christmas spirit. This time of year, it's so easy to look at someone else uh, and their Christmas persona, or maybe we call it a Christmas facade, and think that they have life mastered, that they have figured out the secret to life. I mean, just look at their family Christmas photo. It wouldn't lie. They they have mastered life, they have life figured out. But then we realize that somewhere around January 5th, the cracks begin to show. And the Christmas facade begins to break down because we all have some area of dysfunction and some area of heartache, some area of struggle, and no one has mastered life. One of the hills that we die on is this idea to leave the masks meaning that a Christmas facade, a Christmas persona is not needed here. We, we do not need to pretend. We do not need to go into a 25-day beautification of our lives. We can be raw and we can be real. Now I understand our need to escape. I understand our need to be distracted, especially in 2020. And we need something to preoccupy our thoughts and pull us away from our problems. But let us remember that the Christmas story is not inviting us to partake in a 25-day makeover. The Christmas story is inviting us to allow the Christ of Christmas to completely make us over. What I'm saying is that Christmas really should not be about a 25-day makeover that hides the mess. Christmas is really about celebrating the God who stepped into the mess with us. Emmanuel, God with us. He steps into the mess of humanity. See, silent night, it's kind of a myth. This idea uh, of our nativity scenes neatly displayed over the fireplace, it's, it's kind of a myth. I have three children, and not one of them came into the world silent. There was screaming and crying and throwing things and profanity-laced tirades, and that was just the doctor. Right? The, the nativity scene, uh, it has it wrong. The nativity scene that shows Mary well-rested with rosy cheeks and a healthy, beautiful glow, probably not without an epidural. Joseph reclining comfortably in in a quaint country stable. The the shepherds standing nearby, freshly showered, wearing their tunics recently pressed from the dry cleaner. Nobility, noble wise men bearing gifts who actually probably didn't show up for at least two more years. Jesus cooing on a bed of sweet golden straw. Animals drawing near in awe and in silence. Your nativity scene has good intentions, but it's wrong. But that's what we do with Christmas. We, we beautify everything. There's something about Christmas that causes us to, to, to do a makeover and beautify everything and to step away from the mess. But perhaps we got it all wrong. Maybe the wonder of Christmas is not in the makeover that presents perfection, but maybe the wonder, maybe the miracle of Christmas is actually found in the mess. The mess of a virgin with child. The mess of Joseph trying to believe. The mess of the Christ child being born into a poor family from a podunk town. The mess of traveling to Bethlehem nine months pregnant on a donkey. The mess of no vacancy. You can't tell me a woman who's nine months pregnant, about to give birth, that just traveled 80 miles on a donkey handled that one well. It's impossible. The mess of the manger and the mess of childbirth. See, I think that if we clean up Christmas, we miss the greatest part of the Christmas story. It is Emmanuel, God with us in the mess. John's gospel says it this way in John 1. The Word, and the Word is Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, I love the way that the message puts it. It says, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love the imagery, this idea that God loaded up the U-Haul and He moved into the neighborhood. And here's the thing, the neighborhood is messy. The ma- neighborhood needs uh, uh, need, need, need some life brought into it. The, the neighborhood that is humanity and the neighborhood that is my soul. It's messy and it's complicated and it's flawed and it's chaotic and it's sinful. And yet scripture tells us that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. He moved into our dysfunction and into our habits and into our bad patterns of destruction. He moved into the neighborhood because that was the only way to save the neighborhood. The wonder of Christmas is that even in our mess, we are still wrapped in grace. Even in the mess, God is still among us. Even today, even in your mess, in my mess, the beauty, the wonder of Christmas is that God remains. That God is still with us. Which is good news for anyone who finds themselves in a mess today. Which is good news for anyone who has circumstances that, 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 are, that are robbing them of peace. Maybe your mess is you're facing a first Christmas without someone you love. Or maybe it's the mess of a first Christmas out of a relationship or recently divorced. Or the mess of losing a job or the mess of losing income, the mess of kids making bad decisions, the mess of health issues, the mess of aging parents. See, what I know is that all of us have some mess in life because life changes without notice. Mary had her life change without notice. She had a plan of what she thought life would look like. And her plan involved a wedding celebration and then growing old with the man that she loved. Eventually having a child and then having more children and then spoiling grandchildren and growing old and eventually dying surrounded by her family and the people she loves most. But then life got messy. Luke 1, Greetings to you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. This is the angelic announcement. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. His kingdom will never end. I don't think Mary fully understood what the angelic announcement meant, but I think what she did understand was that life was about to get messy. Because in this culture, to be pregnant and single meant you brought shame upon yourself, upon your family, and upon your fiancé. I mean, how does she respond to a community that will now point and stare what does she tell her parents? What does she tell her friends? What does she tell Joseph? And yet listen to her response. In the mess, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Uh, the, don't fully understand what this is going to look like and what this means, but, but, but may your word be fulfilled. And I want you to hear what she's saying. She's saying that life is primarily not about me, or my comfort, or even my plan. She says, I will continue to seek, I will continue to believe, and I will continue to worship, I will continue to follow, even when life gets messy and unpredictable. Hey, speaking of messy, look at this one. And there were shepherds. Listen, there is no one messier than shepherds. Living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Here is a spiritual experience that changed their life. Because sometimes the closer God gets, the messier life gets. And I know some of you are thinking, what, 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 did, what did he just say? I, I thought the closer God gets, the, the, the easier life gets. Well, that's often not true. See, oftentimes the closer God gets, the messier life gets, at least for a moment. What I mean is that forgiving someone who hurt you is gonna be messy. For, forfeiting the right to hold on to bitterness is messy. There's an internal struggle you're going to go through and it will be messy. Putting the needs of others above yourself is messy. Submitting your finances to the lordship of Jesus so that you can be generous, it's messy. Serving on Sunday when you'd rather sleep in, ask anyone who does it. It's messy. Dying to yourself, it's messy. Look at Luke 2 again. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now let's ask ourselves this question. Why is it that shepherds are the first to hear the Christmas story? If you're making this up, you do not write shepherds into the story. If you were a shepherd in first century Palestine, something went wrong. Your plan A, your plan B failed miserably. Circumstances dumped you in the unenviable occupation of shepherd, which left you at the bottom of the Palestinian social ladder. Early Jewish thought found in the Mishnah refers to shepherds in belittling terms. It says that they are incompetent people. It says that there is no more disreputable occupation than that of a shepherd. Now, it's strange to me that the first people to hear, the Christ child has been born. The first people to hear was the bottom of the social ladder. Literally the mess of society. See, if you're you're telling a story in hopes of deceiving the world, you don't make up a narrative uh, of God stepping into humanity through a virgin. You don't make up a story of God stepping into humanity through a poor family who comes from an out-of-the-way town. You would never write shepherds in to be the first to hear, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. The Christmas story really is the exact opposite of what we think it should be. We would expect the Messiah to come from nobility or maybe royalty. We would expect the angelic announcement to be given to the respected and the highly esteemed. Why would God craft the most important moment in human history and have it revolve around a virgin and shepherds and a manger? It's almost as if God is saying, I am comfortable among the mess, and I am at home among messy people. That God, this idea that God moves into the neighborhood, but it's not Rodeo Drive. He moves into the island of misfit toys. He moves in among those who are poor and the sick and the defeated and the broken and the hurting and the marginalized, and he throws his arms around all of us and he says, my people. See, that is the Christmas story. That is the wonder of Christmas. It's not in replacing the mess or hiding the mess. It's in celebrating God stepped into the mess with us. You are on the island of misfit toys. I am on the island of misfit toys. Look at Luke 2. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Now, why a Savior? Why not a helper? Why not someone that can just kind of get me over the hump? Why not someone who can just help me, give me a little push when I need it? Why not a teacher, someone who can teach me how to be more successful? Why not a coach? Why Why not someone who can train me to be my best? Why not someone who can yell at me from the sideline and tell me everything that I'm doing wrong? Why not a counselor? to help me navigate the difficult seasons of life? Why not a counselor to help me make better decisions or help me process through my childhood trauma? Why not a janitor? Someone to just kind of clean me up a little bit, clean up on Isle Marty. Why not someone who will tidy up my mistakes or wash over my blunders? See, see, that's not what God sent because that's not what I need. I don't need more advice on the seven steps a better life. I don't need a prolific coach demanding that I work harder or a teacher that points out my errors. What I need is a savior that enters into the mess. I need a savior that embarks on a search and rescue mission who's not afraid to get his hands dirty, stained with a little blood. And that's exactly what God sent us. A savior. Someone who is willing to get into the mess to get me out of the mess. I need a savior who scoops up all the broken pieces and begins to mold them, begins to fit them back together into something quite remarkable and something quite amazing. See, this is the power of Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. You today, you are God's masterpiece. Why? Because he has created you anew. In Christ Jesus. Jesus has done something that no one else can do. He scoops up the broken pieces and he puts them back together and now you are declared his masterpiece. It has nothing to do with your outward appearance. It has to do that God took a broken, sinful, stained individual and he made you new. And out of that truth, scripture says you are a masterpiece of God, One of the names the prophet Isaiah ascribed to Jesus some 700 years before his birth was the Prince of Peace. Famous Christmas passage we read numerous times this time of year. For unto us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and here it is, the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, it's the Tsar Shalom. He will be called Everlasting Father and the Tsar Shalom. Tsar, it's where we get the word Tsar. It is the captain or the chief or the ruler or an official. Now, we're going to break this down because it's a quite beautiful uh, word picture. This idea of the tsar, the captain, or the holder, or the ruler of something, what Isaiah was saying 700 years before the birth of Christ is that Jesus will be the captain, or the chief, or the ruler of shalom. And what is shalom? Shalom can mean rest, tranquility, or peace. Peace. That Jesus is the captain of peace, the, the chief of tranquility, the ruler of rest. He is the Tsar Shalom, but there's actually a much deeper meaning. See, when we think of peace, we often think of the absence of conflict or the absence of noise or the absence of trouble. But scripture, when it, when it speaks of peace, is not the absence of, it actually points out a much deeper meaning. Because what, what shalom actually means in, in, in this context was whole or complete or to restore to wholeness. You may have heard shalom being used as a greeting. It It is not only a a greeting of peace, but it is a greeting of wholeness. May your life be complete, shalom. May your life be whole. May you be restored to wholeness, shalom. Now, the word can refer to a stone that is perfect in shape, without chips and without any cracks. If a stone wall was in disrepair, after that wall was restored, and the missing pieces replaced, the wall would be said to be in a state of shalom. It is in a state of wholeness. It was once broken, right? It was once in disrepair, but it has now been restored. The missing pieces replaced and is now in a state of shalom. It is in a place of wholeness. It is complete. Look at this. The core idea throughout Scripture is that life is complex full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. And so when used as a verb to bring shalom literally means to make whole, to make complete or to restore. This idea... That Jesus takes what is missing, takes what the enemy, right? What the enemy has taken from us, Jesus replaces what is missing in order to begin to bring shalom, to make us whole, to make us complete, to restore what was broken. Now we read Isaiah's prophetic word again. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, the Captain of Wholeness, the Chief of Being Complete, the Ruler of Restoration. See, Isaiah was looking forward to a future king, a future Prince of Peace, A future Sar Shalom, the captain of Shalom, the chief or the ruler of Shalom. And he looked forward to a day when Jesus would come and he would bring a Shalom that would not end. He will replace what is broken in our lives and will bring us to Shalom, bring us to wholeness, bring us to being complete. See, this is Philippians 1, 6. I am sure of this thing, that he who began, the one who began a good work is Jesus, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, that he will continue to bring you into shalom. He will continue his work to make you whole. He will continue his promise to to rework you and make you complete. This is why Jesus was announced as the Sar Shalom. As as the keeper, as the ruler of wholeness, because he steps into the mess. He moves into the neighborhood and then restores the people in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. Oh, you saw that one coming. I set you up for it. All right? Jesus steps into the neighborhood to restore the neighbors in the neighborhood, to bring wholeness, to make you complete. That's the beauty of Christmas. It's not in the 25-day makeover to make me look perfect for that short period of time. It's not to hide the mess. It's to celebrate the Sar Shalom who has stepped into my reality, not to condemn me, but to begin to rework me and make me whole, make me complete. See, peace is not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what is broken and restoring it to wholeness, shalom. Whether it is in our lives, in our relationships, or in the world. Listen, I have good news for you today. God is comfortable among the mess, and he steps into our broken lives and replaces what is missing and gives us the promise, if you stay close, I will complete you. I will bring wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. And the byproduct of his shalom, his wholeness, is peace. Because even in the mess, we understand that the Savior is still working. The Savior is still with us. The Savior is still replacing. The Savior is still reworking. The Savior is still molding. And out of that shalom, out of the promise of shalom, I can have peace knowing that in the end, all of God's good intentions for me will be realized, Romans eight twenty eight. This is the beauty of Christmas. So your nativity scene has it wrong. It was not a silent night. It was a messy night. I'm not trying to scrooge your Christmas. I want you to see the wonder of Christmas, maybe for the first time. It is Emmanuel, God with us in the mess. Let me read this portion from Messy Spirituality. What if imperfection, unfinishedness, and messiness are in fact the earmarks of true Christianity? That real Christianity is messy and erratic and lopsided and gloriously liberating. What if genuine faith begins with admitting we will never have our act completely together? Maybe messy disciples are exactly the kind of imperfect people Jesus came to earth for and whose company he actually enjoyed and still enjoys. If you want to find Jesus today, look for him in the midst of the burned-out believers, moral misfits, religious incompetence, men and women whose lives are, well, messy. Messy spirituality is messy a strong antidote for the spiritual perfectionism in us all here are the truths that can cut you loose from the tyranny of autus and open your eyes to the deep spirituality of being loved shortcomings and all by the god who meets you and transforms you in the midst of a messy and unpredictable life it's good news there's good news God loves messy people, and God is comfortable in the mess. You see, sometimes we believe that until we clean up the mess, Jesus will not have anything to do with us, and it's just the opposite. Until we admit that we are a mess, we must admit that we are a mess for Jesus to have anything to do with us. The beauty of Christmas, I leave you. Jesus loves messy people. Pray with me, Lord. After a year like 2020, I know so many of us have lives that are just a mess, just life is chaotic. There's been layoffs and sickness, and some have even suffered the loss of a loved one. All that we thought that was familiar, everything that we took for granted has been taken from us, and now life is possibly messier than any time then we can remember. But I am praying that you would remind us that you are Emmanuel, God with us in the mess. And I'm asking that you would come and show yourself in our space, in our mess. And today, at home, on your couch, in your bed, wherever you are, just invite Jesus into that mess. And expect the Sar Shalom to continue his work in you, even in the mess. Jesus, we invite you in, into our space, whatever that circumstance is. And would you remind us that you will bring us to wholeness? And would that promise of shalom give us a measure of peace, knowing that we are not going through this alone, that in the end, all of your promises, all of your goodness, all of your good intentions will be made full to those that love you and those who are called according to your purpose. May we walk in shalom. May we experience shalom. And out of it come an abundance of peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one thing I need to uh, leave you with because we have not done announcements. Please be aware that we have our reveal Christmas coming up. All the dates change. I told you that last week. Wednesday, December 23rd at 5, 6, 15, and 730. We always have done our Christmas service on the Sunday prior to Christmas. But we have to be flexible. Everything is up in the air. So this is the first time we're actually doing a Christmas service this close to Christmas on a midweek. So Wednesday the 23rd, 5, 6, 15, and 7:30 will be child care available for birth through third grade. Be aware that Sunday, December 20th is now a normal service, 9:30 and 10. Sunday, December 27th is online. That shouldn't affect you because you're online anyways, uh, for 9:30. And 10.30, there will be no live services taking place on the 27th. We're giving all of our volunteers the day off to spend with family. Uh, I am not 100% whether or not this will be live streamed. I think next week we will be live with you. We've ran numerous tests. Everything seems to be working, fingers crossed. And so next week, uh, I'm hoping that you will actually be with us live on Sunday. I am not 100% sure what this will look like. So if you can manage to get down here, mask up, put on your biohazard suit, pick one of the services to attend, and be with us as we celebrate Christmas, the candlelight service, some Christmas carols, short message. I hope you can join us for that. If you need anything, as always, please reach out to the staff. We're here for you. Uh, We want to uh, come alongside you and help you in any way that would be needed. So please do not hesitate. God bless you, Reveal, and I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.